Welcome to the Podglomerate. Hello and welcome to Plus 7 Intelligence, the show about how games impact people. My name is Chess. Today is the final installment of the Games and Social Change series. This has been an amazing seven-episode run about all the different ways that games can make a positive impact on the world's largest problems. I will be talking today about the efforts of one commercial game company to partner with a charity that provides assistance to children who have been affected by conflict and wars throughout the world. So we will be talking about, in particular, an event that the charity puts on every year to enlist the creativity and the reach of game companies to raise money and awareness. And we'll also be looking at it from the perspective of the game company, why it's important for games of all types to embrace positive movements, and what to think about when implementing it practically. So this is my interview with Jakob Van Bursky of Madfinger Games, and this episode was actually streamed live on Twitch. I don't live stream every podcast episode, but if you want to tune in when I do, be sure to follow Plus 7 Intelligence on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash P-L-U-S numeral 7 Intelligence. And I always announce it on social media and in particular the Discord channel. So without further ado, here is the interview. All right, today for the first podcast live stream for Plus 7 Intelligence, I have Jakob Van Bursky, and we're going to be talking about how his company Madfinger Games is supporting charity through their game Shadowgun Legends. Thank you for coming on the show and coming on the stream, Jakob. Hey, Chess. It's, it's a pleasure to be here. First of all, I should get it out of the way that I've seen that on a previous live stream, you were actually promoted live on the air. Uh, <laughs> I want to get I want to get the expectations no. out of the way that that's probably not going to happen again for you. <laughs> Thanks for the warning. <laughs> it was one of the more embarrassing moments in my life. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, then I won't make you relive it then. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I try to make my live streams and interviews exciting, but I don't know if I can top that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me neither. Like that, that was a moment. Like for all the listeners that are listening, there was uh, the head of studio at the time just jumped into our live stream and promoted me right there in front of all the people. And I was like, you might think that I was pleased and so on, but I was so embarrassed. It was incredible. Yeah, I, I can't really imagine that happening to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's something that. Uh, is usually the last thing that you would expect on a live stream, you know, yeah. something kind of life-changing like that. This is this is also very specific to Czech people because I'm I'm from Czech Republic. The Madfinger Games is based in Czech Republic, and we mm-hmm. don't really take compliments and promotions and so on so well. It it's always the very awkward situation for us, you know. So, mm-hmm. well, you are now the director of marketing for Madfinger Games. What is your role like and, and what do you contribute to the company? Uh, right, it, it's correct. Uh, I've been named Director of Marketing quite recently. Uh, that basically means that I'm in charge of all the communication that goes from the studio outside, 
also uh, in charge of you know getting the players to actually play the game people knowing about Madfinger games and people knowing about the, our games so uh, a quite quite a large you know pool of responsibility right there but uh, amazing team amazing leadership you know uh, love it hmm. so the project that I got connected with you about is Shadowgun Legends. Can you mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about that game? Right. Uh, so Shadowgun Legends is by far our most ambitious project. Um, we have been working on it for more than two years, which for a mobile game is quite a lot. Mm -hmm. um, just to put it into some sort of perspective, usually a development of a mobile game would take a half a year, maybe a year if you're trying really hard. So mm -hmm. gives you the perspective, like we really tried to do something new with Shadowgun Legends. And I think we succeeded. Uh, certainly the critics and the, the fans think so. It's it's very well received by the critics and the, the people that are playing it are, you know, giving it a really nice uh, ratings, which which is awesome. But uh, what Shadowgun Legends is, so it's a FPS, RPG, MMO, PvP, co-op, sci-fi, that's probably all the abbreviations I can think of. Mm -hmm. uh, but to, to make it short, I think you could say that it's probably the closest a mobile gaming has gotten to uh, console gaming. So that means it not only looks and controls really well on the touchscreen, but it also offers the players uh, unprecedented depth. That means you know that uh, you can do basically whatever you want. It's not an open world yet because the devices don't allow, allow us to do that yet. But um, you have a story mode, you have like a co-op mode where with your friends you can go on raids and gather loot and so on. And you have PvP battles. But then there are also innovative social features where you have a game hub where you can interact with people, chat with people, you know, trade, uh, accept quests and so on. So it's like a proper AAA console game, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I tried it out for, for a couple of days. And, what did you uh, think? <laughs> I mean, I was definitely very surprised. Yeah. I wasn't expecting the visuals. I wasn't expecting the control scheme. I was very happy with it. I'm, <laughs> I was very much a doubter of mobile gaming for a long time. I was yeah, always much, like, well, yeah. why, would, why would anybody want to play an FPS on a touchscreen when they can have a nice controller and all these consoles and stuff? But obviously, there's, there's a lot of people who are doing it. There's some massive games on on mobile that are first person shooters or third person shooters and you know a lot a lot of it is just accessibility mm -hmm. and you know being able to play wherever you are and you know a lot of people don't have a console that is good for first person shooters i don't have a console that can really handle a modern first person shooter mm -hmm. or a pc so you know but my phone's pretty good so uh, <laughs> i can i can play some stuff it's this is a this is a very good point because recently I, I I did a little experiment because I was you know by some very strange coincidence uh, giving a lecture at the university, uh, which in itself was a you know paradox enough because I was a really lazy student, but <laughs> so yeah so I'm there giving a lecture to the to all these young people and I'm asking them, uh, so who like you know from the from the audience uh, has a console so a couple of people raise his hands like who has a gaming pc a couple of people raise his hands but who has a smartphone everybody raises hands you know so this only tells you that mobile gaming is becoming the biggest thing ever and is going to only become 
more and more massive. Yeah, it makes sense. And, you know, people expect the boundaries to be pushed. It's the same with consoles that the graphics were very poor and even developers were struggling how to make games look good and how to even make things in the game look recognizable. Mm. And then the boundaries kept getting pushed and pushed and pushed. It definitely makes sense that mobile gaming would kind of follow a similar path. Yeah, you can, you can see that everywhere you look right now because especially the, the last year has been completely crazy and turned the whole gaming world upside down, especially the mobile one. Because you have mm-hmm. these massive, you know, titles from PC, from consoles coming to mobile, you know, porting yeah. mobile. And then you have people like Blizzard who are now announcing, you know, new Diablo game, first of all, on mobile. And, you know, mm-hmm. I'm giving a big uh, F you to the <laughs> PC players. <laughs> yeah, that's a, a controversy that I don't know if I want to wade into now. But, <laughs> probably um, not, probably not. That would be a different podcast, I think. <laughs> but yes, it definitely absolutely speaks to, you know, the the market, how games mm-hmm. might be evolving, that uh, even some of the biggest game developers out there are putting their bets on mm-hmm. uh, mobile devices, mobile gaming um, it's it's definitely going to be a major part of the future of gaming. Mm-hmm. I would just add one thing, and that it's not only mobile de- mobile game developers, but it's also mobile manufacturers, because now you can see that, you know, uh, Asus is with their ROG phone, you know, introducing a brand new gaming phone. Their competition, Razer, is doing the same thing. Then you have, like, the Black Shark, uh, and uh, Samsung is doing the same thing. So, uh Everywhere you look, people know that mobile is the future and they are right now shifting their focus towards it. What particularly interested me about Madfinger and Shadowgun Legends is Mm -hmm. the charity support that you do. How did Madfinger Games get involved in supporting the charity War Child? And is this the first big charity promotion by Madfinger? It actually is. Uh, we 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 really wanted to do something like this for a long time, and we've been talking to, to these amazing guys from Warchild uh, since 2016, I believe, because by then, like, because we have made some successful games in the past, and uh, they heard about this project about Shadowgun Legends because we were we had a very open development and so on. So they contacted us and said. Uh, this is a game that we would really like to be part of this armistice campaign that we're preparing. Of mm-hmm. course, by then we were we were trying to launch it in 2017, but uh, Shadowgun was pushed back to uh, to early 2018. So as soon as it was out, we we knew that uh, this is something that we want to be part of, and uh, and and yes, and the campaign uh, was launched a couple of weeks ago, and I think that. Uh, well, I spoke to one of the guys from the charity uh, today, actually, and he said that it was a tremendous success and he's super proud of all the studios and his team and so on. So uh, we did a good thing. <laughs> Hooray. Yeah, that's great. So the charity War Child is doing an event called mm-hmm. Armistice, dealing mm-hmm. with uh, you know partnerships with video game developers. Can you talk about Armistice and what's been going on with that? Mm-hmm. Okay, so so the idea behind it is that uh, they con like Warchild is contacting all these developers and giving them uh, an option to support uh, the their charity. The, but 
they are not strictly uh, telling you what you should do. So they, there are developers who would maybe come up with a brand new game mode, you know, for their game. I know that there was a first World War uh, shooter, which uh, did uh, a soccer. Uh, you call it soccer. We call it football. Uh, so <laughs> a soccer mini game in the no man's land because that's what happened in the first World War during the Christmas. So they mm. a brand new game mode like this. And uh, they were offered, like, of course, they would, they would give you suggestions and so on. So we picked um, that we would dedicate uh, in-app purchase inside the game because our game is free to play and you have in-app purchases where you can purchase, you know, gold that you can spend on cosmetic items. Mm -hmm. And we dedicated one of these bundles to Armistice campaign. And the players would know because we notified them that all of the money that they spent on this bundle is give, is being given to War Child Charity. Mm -hmm. What I know that other people, in terms of monetizing, were doing it a little bit differently, specifically on the PC, where they uh, created a whole DLC, which all the profits from the DLC would go to the charity and so on. So there are different ways how you can support War Child, and we picked uh, this one because it was relevant to uh, how the game actually works. Mm -hmm. is that uh, Shadowgun Legends is a little bit different in terms of advertising because uh, the first first thing you, you remember when you say mobile and advertising, you know, it's like pop-ups everywhere and play this game and play that game and, you know. And mm -hmm. we really didn't like that because you're advertising other games, so we developed a whole hub area where all the players get to meet and socialize. And it looks like a Asian version of Times Square, where you have all these mm -hmm. giant billboards and so on. And these billboards were actually offering to sponsors, to brands that they can advertise. So we also use this when uh, taking part in the Armistice campaign because we put, uh, you know, the ads for War Child everywhere and like pushing people towards spending the money on the uh, Armistice bundle and really like hammering the message that now is their chance to do something good in the world, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was definitely an interesting aspect that when you go into the game, you see a virtual billboard. Like you said, it's not a screen that pops up at you. Mm -hmm. It's like you're in a real place. You're standing where someone put up a billboard for War Child for the Armistice event. Mm -hmm. It's kind of an interesting kind of a melding of the real world and the virtual world together that I love talking about on this show. <laughs> yeah, right. Because is there, is there anything more like breaking the immersion than just a pop-up jumping it and play a different <laughs> game than you're currently enjoying, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that, that that makes a lot of sense that one of the big values of games is how they can bring you into a, another virtual world and breaking that immersion can take away from the value of the game experience Absolutely, uh, quite yeah. a lot. And so Armistice is really interesting. And this year in particular, I believe it was the 100th anniversary of, mm -hmm. of the Armistice signing that ended World War One. So this Veterans Day in particular, you know, has some extra meaning to it. And as I understand it, Armistice was, was kind of centered around the month of November uh, because of the Armistice signing and it's also when in the United mm -hmm. States we have Veterans Day. And I really like the idea that it's an event that encourages game developers to bring their own creativity to it and their own way of contributing. Because mm -hmm. you know, like you said, Shadowgun Legends is a mobile game 
and it's free to play. So, you know, you can't contribute part of your game sales because your game is free. Whereas other games are they're doing like a Steam sale and that's how they contribute. Or I think there might have been a humble bundle. Mm-hmm. And then also games that are able to work in special events or have pacifist games or like you said, a sport mini game as a mm-hmm. way to show the value and the fun of taking a game that might be inherently violent and about war and then turning it into something that celebrates peace, that shows kind of a different way of living. I find <clears> this I find this event really, really fascinating. It is, it is. And for the exact reasons why you why you said so, because like I really enjoy the fact that you can completely turn the perception of the people who are playing the game because they're just like, you know, they zone out and they are, you know, playing this 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 bloodbath game, for example. But then when you actually manage to send this message across and they realize that it's not, this is like, you know, simulating something that is real and, you know, and war is a real thing. Uh, it can, this message can be incredibly powerful. And from the from the engagement that we got from this campaign with our community and our our players, I can certainly say that this message has resonated with our players. Hmm. Yeah, that's great. You know, that's one of the biggest complaints against video games over the past, you know, 20 or so years is there's people who see a kind of danger or a, even if it's not dangerous, just kind of a problem with reliving wars where terrible things happened where there was real suffering and then going into a game and then you know you might be playing a game where you're being violent people don't see it as being respectful or being a good way of relating to real world violence it's more of a glorification yeah yeah absolutely the problem of glorifying it Mm -hmm. rather than reflecting on it Mm -hmm. and several of my other interviews and episodes this season have been about games that make you think differently about war and the real cost and how game designers can be that voice that is encouraging you to say, hey, there's real cost to these things going on in the world. There are people who are suffering across the world and a game can can help you get into their shoes or they can, you know, help you live someone else's experience and and <clears throat> think about something that doesn't impact you directly but it can be kind of a a conduit to to experiencing those that's very well said yeah i absolutely agree with you (laughs) it's true the there is like this this whole violence aspect of video games is why video games are being blamed for all the bad in the world because they're always like there anything happens in the world the first thing to blame is video games because they're warping the minds of our children and so on. But nobody really ever speaks about all the good things that video games are doing, you know, because like the mm-hmm. educational potential of video games is un- like nothing has even come closer to that because you have this whole generation that is that is listening to video games much more than they're listening to their parents, you know, as much as we hate it. <laughs> but, uh, but then when you put some strong messaging inside video game, like I don't know if I can find some examples but for example you know openly gay characters are pretty standard in video games right now female protagonists have been pretty standard in video games for a really long time 
These are all things that are, you know, shaping the perception of the wider community and the gamers. So I would say that the gaming community are, is actually very progressive, I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the gaming community definitely has an interesting kind of relationship with representation and things like that. There's there's still a lot of room to grow in that area. Of course. Uh, absolutely. But in the same way, there have been several game series that have had female protagonists for decades that are celebrated. Mm -hmm. And I think that the game industry in general is pretty progressive. Mm -hmm. I know in, in the news, there's been a lot of industry news lately that has kind of run counter to that. But overall, I think that the game industry is moving forward, much like the rest of culture is slowly, you know, moving forward and and trying to kind of have a more optimistic approach and a more open approach to to inclusion. Yes, of course. And then then you have like the other benefits, because, for example, language, right? Uh, here in Czech Republic, it's not as easy to learn really good English, but video games specifically is a really nice tool, which is uh, fun and entertaining, you know, but it also is very educational and you get so much vocabulary from playing games. So that mm -hmm. thing, and then I'm not even talking about meeting people and so on and people who think the same and, you know, building these communities, which are built around something that you guys love, not something mm -hmm. that you guys hate, which is, you know, Today, in, in today's world, it's it's very common thing where I, you know, interact with people who hate the same thing. With mm -hmm. video games, it's usually the other way around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Games are fantastic for bringing people together. And I've heard this story a lot of times about games helping people to, in particular, learn English. Because mm -hmm. a lot of the earlier video games, most of them, you know, either came out of Japan or the United States. So... I've heard a lot of people who said, hey, well, I didn't really know English all that well. But then I started playing Final Fantasy and I played it over <laughs> and over and over again. And, and that's how I learned what these different things mean. And it helped me to, to build my English. Um, <laughs> that's one of the magical things about games is it just they just draw you in and encourage you to kind of step up your game and to get engaged and to figure things out. I just man I just think I just thought of the most like exciting way how to put everything together because uh with games they always uh push you to be better right you just to improve mm -hmm. your skill and so on and it it it's nice that we can say the same thing about like you know this armistice thing and everything and the charity that the games are pushing you to be better not only as a player but also as a person mm -hmm. so I know this is very very deep, but <laughs> this just you know came to my mind that yeah this is this is what what we did we we tried to convince people to be better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's yeah that's one of the core things about games that I talk a lot about in the show is like you said games are designed to take you from someone who's in a virtual world that they've never seen before with a character they know nothing about and then gradually bring that person who essentially knows nothing about that world over time they build them up skill by skill you know item by item and eventually that person becomes the the person who saves that entire virtual world you know they become a hero and that's a core part of games is the challenge it's about 
you know, being becoming someone that you're not, becoming better, more skilled, and you know, that's that is the experience of games. Or maybe you're playing against other players, and so there's a constant rivalry, a constant, mm -hmm. you know, one-upsmanship that you constantly get better and better. And I think that with education and with other areas, there's lots of ways to apply that to your real life and get a lot of positive benefits out of it. Do Do you think I could? ask you a question <laughs> because you know <laughs> it's I, it would be only fair you're you're asking me a lot of questions uh, do you, do you think that there there are games that can be uh life changing that can change your life oh i i know that there are because games have changed my life in a lot of ways and and the great part about this show is i get to talk to people who whose lives were changed by games mm -hmm. probably just one example for me playing mmos online In particular, there was a Star Wars MMO that I played that... Oh, The Old Republic. Yes. <laughs> yeah, my favorite, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I was a religious follower of it while it was uh, in beta <laughs> and coming out. And and I got so into it. It was the first time that I really got connected with a large guild and mm -hmm. was like trying to get the server first for beating the bosses and stuff like that. And I wasn't really planning on you know, making good friends through that. But I did. And I made friends from across the world. And eventually, I met some of them in real life. And they helped me out in some tough times. And, you know, the the game and the community that it fostered, it, it totally changed my life when it was a rough time in my life that I couldn't get a steady job. And, mm -hmm. you know, it was a support system that I didn't have from from a lot of other areas in my life so yeah absolutely there's uh, that game definitely changed the course of my life and you know I, i think that a lot of other games have also moved my life in in different directions along the way mm -hmm. well good to hear good to hear <laughs> we're in the same boat i think yeah so how about you is there an example of a game that that you didn't make that uh <laughs> has uh, has had an influence on your life I think so. I, I think it, it my my eye-opening moment was first time I I played Half-Life the original and mm -hmm. I instantly knew that this is this is something that I want to be part of this whole process, you know, not only as a player but also somehow get into the industry and be part of, you know, creating worlds and 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 stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that was the first one, first uh, experience with games where I really felt like I, I should somehow be con involved. And now this, I don't know if it's a like life-changing experience, but it's an experience much stronger than anything else. And that's like actually being able through the work, you know, where you're entertaining people to also achieve something that helps other people uh, that don't even have a chance to play video games. You know, I'm talking about the, the Warchild campaign because this money is going to go somewhere and do some good. And yes, like it, it feels like we have achieved something much more than we originally set out to do. And it feels great. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's incredible. That's yeah, that's such an amazing feeling of, you know, especially if you take something like games that I'm sure that a lot of the people who get into it, they do it because they love games, they enjoy games, and it's, you know, it starts out because it's something they just love to do and they have fun mm -hmm. doing it. And then being able to take that and not just make a product and that other people enjoy, but to use that as a tool to 
help people. Mm -hmm. That's, that's really fantastic. I think that's, for me, that's definitely something that I want to get across with the podcast and just, you know, with the people I talk to is games have so much potential and so much power and you can steer some of that towards, like I mentioned before, affecting your real life and also pushing for positive change in the world and directing resources, directing attention towards real world problems that can be solved. I, I couldn't agree more. Turning back a little bit, what were some of the challenges of supporting a charity through in-game transactions? Because you said that this is the first time mm-hmm. that the Madfinger has done this. I think what was the most challenging was probably convincing the shareholders. Uh, I'm not sure <laughs> because I know. Uh, no, but uh, in all honesty, uh, it wasn't that difficult. It required uh, some coding from our side, a bit of like artwork done. And, mm-hmm. and that was it. But uh, but no, it. I think the most challenging part about all this is finding a good partner, finding a ch- finding a charity that uh, you 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 can work with. You can you know make sure that it's it's the real thing. Mm-hmm. Because we were extremely excited about this opportunity, we we didn't really find any any obstacles in our way, and uh, the whole process was extremely smooth for us. Hmm. Maybe. What, what what could have been yeah i remember i remember what was challenging because challenging was the brainstorming the constant brainstorming about what we should do because we have a we have a rpg shooter right and we're trying to mm-hmm. get some peaceful message so we had to be extremely careful about what we're going to do so we were thinking about you know prohibiting players to to do to shoot or you know something like that and this was a bit tricky you know to come up with something that wouldn't alienate uh, all the players that we have but still send a very strong message across so in mm-hmm. we, we had like this this event where all the billboards were were you know war child and so on and you could get some peaceful themes uh, cosmetics in the game so you would have like a uh ap's helmet and you know stuff like that with a duff you usually have some you know really something really badass that, some stickers that you can put on your armors but this mm-hmm. had like a duff or uh, like a you know peace sign or something like that. It was it was creative work, so that's always fun. Yeah, it's good to hear that. Besides the obvious, you know, the concern that comes with any kind of support for charity is, you know, a business needs to be able to afford it and <laughs> you know keep keep the the engine running, so to speak. But it's good to hear that overall that it's something that is possible that can be integrated into into other games that other games can follow a similar model. You know, I know that Blizzard did something similar. I don't really know the details, but something similar with selling a, a skin for a character in that game, a character model in in their game to support breast cancer awareness. Mm-hmm. And I think that's cool that it's something that seems to be viable that other game developers can consider and, and possibly include in their games in the future. Yeah, it's the best. How can listeners find out more about Shadowgun Legends and other Madfinger games and uh, and you know other projects that you're working on? The easiest way is probably to visit our website, which is madfingergames.com or shadowgunlegends.com. Uh, we have a upcoming game which is going to be called Shadowgun War Games, which is like a PvP focused spin-off on Shadowgun Legends. Uh, mm-hmm. so, gunwargames.com you can pre-register there 
that will make sure that you get all the notifications and some uh, in-game stuff once the game actually launches. So so that's that's the web. But uh, if you want to jump directly into playing, there's nothing easier than going to uh, you know your uh, App Store or your Google Play Store and typing in Madlinger Games or Shadowgun Legends, and mm-hmm. you can play the game for free. So uh, nothing easier than that. And then the last thing I would just shamelessly plug is the charity. And, uh, you know, just visit uh, www.warchild.org.uk and uh, you can donate or, or spread the word. I, mean, I think everything, every little bit counts. That's it for this Intelligence Boost. And that's a wrap on the Games and Social Change series. Up next for Plus 7 Intelligence is a series that is just as impactful. We will be doing a seven episode series on games and education. We will be looking at the myriad ways that games can empower education of all types. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, check out the Plus 7 Intelligence Discord server at discord.gg slash plus seven. That's where you'll find all the news for Plus 7 Intelligence first. And you can also follow on Twitter That's at 7 underscore intelligence. Thanks for listening. I'll see you soon. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe. Music for this episode provided by the ever-elusive and mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. You might know about climate change, but do you know how it's changing life on our coasts? I'm Carlisle Calhoun, co-host of Sea Change, the award-nominated podcast from WWNO, New Orleans Public Radio, and PRX. Each episode, we dive deep into the environmental issues facing coastal communities, bringing you stories that go beyond the headlines, from species under threat to climate migration. Because we have a lot to save, and it's time to talk about a sea change. Listen to new episodes of Sea Change wherever you get your podcasts.